we turn together to Matthew 5, verse 5, and then to the psalm we just sang, which is on Jesus' mind here in this verse. Matthew 5, 5, and Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11. Hear now God's word. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek, shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. The message of the Sermon on the Mount, that's what we're looking at. In particular, the first part of that sermon, the Beatitudes. In this series, in the Gospel of Matthew, we are learning about what it really means to be blessed. And as you talk about that word blessed, or even hear people use the word, it's all over the board, isn't it? You sneeze and someone might say, bless you. It's a hashtag at the end of social media posts, and it's a, a voicemail that someone maybe will finish with, the words bless you. But what does that mean? Well, we've been looking at the Beatitudes, which, of course, carry this blessing over and over again, for God's people. The opposite of being blessed is not being unhappy. So blessing is not referring to just happiness. The opposite of blessing is curse. The word blessing in these Beatitudes then refers to the covenant favor of God that we have by faith in Jesus. Not an emotional experience, but rather the kind mercy of God in the covenant of grace for you, his people. These are covenant blessings. And as those united to Christ, this is God's blessing upon you. It's not a law for you to do. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And it is out of that Holy Spirit given grace and faith to trust Jesus that we now live as citizens of the kingdom of God. The reign of that kingdom of God has begun in our hearts. And this is what it looks like as God's people to walk as disciples. That's what we're looking at here. And that means 
as a church together, there's a corporate aspect to this. Today we look at the third beatitude, one that is perhaps more misunderstood than many of the others. We want to look at what meekness is all about. First, let's clarify some perhaps confusion over this term. One person says the anti-beatitude, sometimes it's helpful to look at what's the opposite of this, right, can be summed up in nearly the theme of every Disney movie. Kids, have you seen Disney movies? What's the theme over and over? Blessed are those who believe in themselves, who listen to their heart, and who pursue their dreams. That's the opposite of what we see here in these Beatitudes. And zooming in on the third one, the opposite of meek is might makes right. If you have power, seize what you can. It's the ambitious, those who get ahead, those who rule themselves, who themselves are going to succeed. It's the stuff of Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher who said God is dead. He said God is dead in part because Jesus was so meek that he died. And it's that kind of devilish thinking that was a part of the rise of Nazism in Germany. One of the philosophers of of the Third Reich, in fact, hated not only the Beatitudes, but the entire Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, meaning all those things that are valuable in the kingdom of God are seen as worthless in the eyes of the world. Humility, gentleness. And what is not valuable in the kingdom of God, self-determination, self-rule, is seen as of utmost value in the eyes of an unbelieving world. What is meekness then? Well, first of all, what is it not? It is not a shy personality. It's not being timid. It's not being a coward. It's not that you just roll over and let people walk all over you and you play dead. It's not being scared of your own shadow. It's not a personality type that is just really kind of shy and introverted. It's not a lack of energy. It's not a lack of courage. It's not a lack of conviction. It's not a lack of effort. It's not niceness. Meekness is not weakness. It's not the absence of being assertive. What is it then? In the Bible, Colin Smith says this so well, our fallen nature is compared to a wild animal, kids. So picture a horse that needs to be brought under control. That's what we are like by nature. Our heart is like a troubled sea that's foaming and roaring and raging. So the word meekness can be used in this sense. It's talking about an untrained horse, so to speak, that has an unbridled spirit that is being broken by the trainer. The trainer doesn't break the horse's legs. He wants the the horse to run, right? The horse has his will broken. The sinful passions are subdued. So meekness is strength under control. It is power under the direction of a higher authority, God himself. 
It is someone who at one point said, I'm going to do it my way, Frank Sinatra, but now I'm humbled before God. Peter says a meek and gentle spirit is precious in the sight of the Lord. It's a rare jewel. Sinclair Ferguson says it's rare perhaps because it's also rare to see someone who's poor in spirit and mourning over their sin. It's a grace of the Holy Spirit given to us. That's so important. None of us is born meek. And sometimes we can get confused because someone might have like a a laid-back personality. You might think that's meek. That's not what this is. In fact, it's Christ himself who possesses meekness in fullness, and that righteousness of Christ is imputed to us as the ground of our justification. Meekness is a part of that. It's a fruit the Holy Spirit produces in God's people. And as Dale Van Dyke says, imagine a diamond being made, and you can see what the process of meekness being cultivated is. Kids, do you know how a diamond is made? Some of you probably do better than I do, I'm sure. A hundred miles below the surface of the earth, in the upper mantle of the earth, that's very hot, that's how diamonds are made, or the impact of an asteroid. Heat and pressure combine to transform a rock into a beautiful jewel. And so it is for the work of God in us. The dull rock of our heart, when the Word of God, the Spirit of God is at work, transforms us so that we grow in this beautiful fruit of meekness. Where do we see it in the Bible, secondly? We see it in a couple of people. Do you know that Moses himself called himself meek? You might think, how how does that work? Well, Moses wrote the book of Numbers. Numbers 12, it says Moses was the most meek man in all the face of the earth. But Moses wasn't born that way. Moses had a fiery temper. He was raised in the palace of Egypt. For the first 40 years of Moses' life, he did not live as a meek man. He murdered someone. He thought that might get the people of God behind him. And then from age 40 to age 80, God humbled this leader, Moses. He went into the desert. He married Zipporah. And he became, by the grace of God, the meek man that God raised up to lead his people out of Egypt. Numbers 12, the context of when it talks about Moses as meek is very interesting. Moses, remember, was the third child. Uh, His brother Aaron's three years older than him. Miriam, his sister, may have been 10 years or more older than him. And Moses now, in Numbers 12, marries a Cushite woman from Ethiopia. Zipporah most likely had died. And at this point, it says Miriam and Aaron said, why is Moses the guy that's leading us? Hasn't God spoken through someone else? And you read that passage, kids, and you think, how is Moses going to respond to his sister and brother challenging his leadership and challenging the fact that God spoke through him? How would he respond? Would he get even with them? Well, it says in Numbers 12, the Lord heard Miriam and Aaron, as the Lord hears all of us, what we speak and what we don't speak. 
and the Lord caused Miriam to become leprous. And Moses and Aaron go and they pray for her, and instead of getting even with her, Moses shows that he trusts in the Lord, he prays that God would restore his sister, and he lives as a man who is genuinely meek and strong as a leader. This man led a million-plus people out of Egypt into the promised land. Meekness is not weakness. When it comes to meekness, Jesus Christ, of course, is the supreme picture for us, isn't he? Sinclair Ferguson mentions this. In the life of Jesus, there is almost only one characteristic that he ever drew attention to in himself. That's amazing. What is it? We read it earlier today, Matthew 11. Jesus says, I am meek or gentle and lowly in heart. That word when Jesus says, I am gentle, Matthew 11, same word here in Matthew 5 for meekness. Jesus himself says, you don't need to fear when you come to me that I'm going to zap you. When you come to me in faith and repentance, kids, maybe you have in the summertime found a bug or a worm or an animal that you pick up and then you kind of push away and say, I don't want to touch that thing. That makes me kind of feel gross. That is not how Jesus treats you. He doesn't handle you roughly. He doesn't lash out at you the way maybe others have in your life. He knows your sin far deeper than you and I know our sin, but his gentleness flows from his heart for you, his people. He won't stiff-arm you any more than a parent of a nursing baby will push the baby away. He welcomes you. Come to me, he says, in your weariness. I'm not going to crush you. I'm not going to snuff out a faintly burning wick. Jesus exhibits meekness. Do you remember when he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey? Same word, meekness. He comes how? Humbly. Not on a war horse, but on a silly donkey. Kids, those were low to the ground. So he probably had to pull his legs up as he rode on this animal. A king, humble. A king who came not just to ride on a donkey, but to die for the sins of his people who was reviled but did not revile in return, who was led as a lamb to the slaughter, who didn't go and, and crush the Romans because he came to die for his enemies, sinners like us, the suffering servant. The one thing that Jesus drew attention to him in himself, about himself, was meekness. That's an astounding reality. And dear Christian, the thing that will draw the attention of others to Jesus in our life is that same meekness. Third, what does the Holy Spirit do to produce it? Do you remember the Beatitudes build on each other? So you're poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt before God. You're mourning your sin, and so am I. And now, you have nothing about which to boast or be proud of before God. When you are broken like that, then meekness will flow by the power of God. 
This is a work of God in the heart, as all the Beatitudes are. It's death to self. It's not in our minds going over and over again how my ambitions or dreams were shattered. It's not bringing up again and again how someone wronged me and I want to get back at them and I can't stop thinking about it. It's bearing no grudges. It's dying to self-righteousness. And we can't say this enough. It's a gift of God. None of us has this by nature. There are some things that are opposite of meekness. Thomas Watson talks about them. One of them is being impulsive. So you hear something, you react right away, like a pot that boils over without praying and without thinking about there might be another side to this particular issue. We are to take time before we form judgments. That helps us grow in meekness. Meekness is also opposed to malice, the intention to do evil which itself leads to revenge. Meekness is the opposite of revenge and defensiveness. Meekness is opposed to evil speaking, completely the opposite. And it's a fruit of the Spirit, in particular in a couple ways. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is all together. It's not like you can have one without the other. It's not the fruits, plural, but the fruits, singular. It's real fruit. In our home, we have a little play kitchen downstairs for the kids. Plastic fruit. You look at it and it looks like a great looking apple from a distance, but you come up to a kid's and you're not going to enjoy that apple, are you? Then you go to the, to the apple orchard in the fall and you see an apple on the tree that almost brings tears to your eyes. It's so wonderful and red and juicy. Well, this is real fruit. The, the aspects of the fruit here are gentleness and self-control. Gentleness. Do you know that meekness or gentleness, really the two are synonymous in some ways, is an evidence of election, Colossians 3.12. It's an evidence of divine calling, Ephesians 4.2. It's Romans 12, not thinking of myself more highly than I ought, but thinking of myself with sober judgment. Gentleness is opposed to irritability. Some people are ready to fire at the slightest imagined offense and take offense at everything all the time. Gentleness says, like the Proverbs, it's a glory to overlook an offense. Gentleness is opposed to sulking or pouting, which we're all tempted to do when things don't go how we want. Gentleness is being considerate, tender, wise, and not overreacting. The story is told of a farmer that had some mice in his barn. What did he do to get rid of the mice? He burned down the whole barn. <laughs> there is the opposite of gentle meekness. Just burn it down. Self-control, another aspect of meekness. This word doesn't mean you control yourself. Sometimes we get that impression. No, it's by the Holy Spirit being controlled and not by our sinful passions. It reaches into our minds, our emotions, our actions, our hearts. So a Christian, by the Spirit, says no to these twisted, 
instincts and desires called sin. Jesus, remember, in the gospel, releases us from both the condemnation and the power of sin. Colin Smith summarizes here. What is meekness? It tames the temper, subdues the self, calms the passions, manages the impulses of the heart, brings order out of chaos. Remember that picture of the sea raging in the soul. This person is humble, gentle, patient, forgiving, content. And meekness, loved ones, is the means by which God, through his spirit, makes us more like Jesus, delivers us from pride and harshness, aggression, vengeance, and turmoil. So think about someone in your life, or it might be pointing the finger at ourselves, who might be self-opinionated and overbearing, throwing their weight around, short-tempered, demanding, insisting on their own way. That person is not happy. There's turmoil inside. It's spilling over onto other people. And growing in meekness will subdue that impulsiveness, giving us grace to fight the sin of anger and to not speak out whatever comes to our mind and to be content in all circumstances because this is a contentment, this meekness, before the Lord. In particular, the Lord's providence, the hard things in life, the painful things. The context of this third beatitude is Psalm 37. That's why we read it and sang it today. That's in Jesus' mind as he gives this beatitude. In Psalm 37, the people of God are oppressed. In the first century, under Roman rule, they're oppressed. And it looks like the evil of that day, in the psalmist day and Jesus' day, are going to just run roughshod over God, his people, and his kingdom. Psalm 37 says things are not as they first appear. The wicked seem to gain at all costs. Look at the world today. So what are God's people to do, the psalmist asked. Should we fret? Should we rage? What does the psalmist say? Trust in the Lord. Wait patiently on the Lord. Not being passive, not being lazy, but being free of frenzy. A steady calm. God is sovereign. God is on his throne. God is our refuge and strength. The nations are a drop in the bucket before God. The evil nations will be judged before God. The evil person will not get away with this. God, keep me in perfect peace. Help me roll my anxieties onto you to cast them on the Lord. That's what meekness looks like. Not fretting but trusting, transferring the control of my life to God, denying myself. This is seen in how we treat each other. Colin Smith gives this analogy. Picture a bunch of houses being built, maybe a brand new development, and you've got one house that's almost done. And you can think, I could live in there next week. And then you've got another house that just has the foundation barely laid with cement. And you're thinking, that doesn't look like much. Smith says that's 
basically a look at the Christian church all around us. We are all at different places in growing in grace in the Lord. Different stages of maturity in Christ. But God is at work in every one, whether there's a foundation or the roof is about to be finished. Here's how this matters with meekness. Meekness moderates our expectations of others. If God in his kindness remembers our frailty that we are dust, we should remember the frailty of each other. Thinking about the burdens of others right here today that they're carrying, many of which we have just a tiny bit of understanding. Thinking about that will help us be meek to each other. You and I have no idea the strength of the temptation of the person sitting next to us. What they face this week. If we were under that same temptation, we don't know where we would be right now. Or the affliction of someone. Physically or emotionally or spiritually, it might be a number of things. Meekness helps us there. So when someone says they're struggling with something, meekness doesn't go up to them and say, I've got this figured out for you. Here's what you got to do. This will help. No. Meekness says, I'm going to cry. I'm going to pray for you. I'm just going to listen to you. And I'm going to encourage you with Psalm 37 or something that comes to my mind, but not inserting our opinions in a way that can really damage someone. Loved ones, is the spirit of gentleness and meekness by the grace of God a part of our life at Emmaus Road? That means it'll impact how we pray, how we talk, how we interact with each other. It impacts how we encourage our kids. This is from a mother of many years past, John and Charles Wesley's mother. She counseled parents as, she, as we encourage our kids. She said, don't praise your children because of their natural talents. But rather say to them, hasn't God given you fast legs to run? Hasn't God given you a mind that's so good at math? That's perfect honesty, isn't it? Accepting ourselves as we are, as God gave us those gifts, and recognizing we are what we are all by the grace and gifts of God. None of us has earned this or achieved this ourselves. Meekness in disciplining our kids in love. When we are not meek as mothers and fathers, our spouse and kids are on edge. There's an, if there's an irritability to us, they're kind of wondering, well, what's going to set mom or dad off next? And always kind of living in fear of what else might happen. So meekness is not yelling at our kids. Meekness is realizing our kids are a lot more like us than we realize. And as one person says, if I pass on half of my idiosyncrasies to my kids, I should be thankful. I got a lot of idiosyncrasies, not even to mention sin. Meekness means praying for them and with them when we're tempted to yell at them. God, give me meekness. Meekness in terms of how we make friends. The Proverbs say, don't make friends with an angry person. Do you know why? Proverbs 22. You're going to learn his ways. So if you're around someone who's not meek, you're going to become more like that, the Proverbs say. Meekness in how we interact online. 
as Christians, there should not be a difference between how we interact online or in text messages or emails and how we talk face-to-face. But you look at a lot of online discourse in the Christian world today. Some of you know about it, some don't. There's not a lot of meekness there. God, give us meekness. Meekness is not defensive. Meaning, the person who's meek, Lloyd-Jones says, is not sensitive about themselves and is not always thinking about themselves. The person who's meek is not feeling sorry for themselves. The person who's meek is amazed that God and others think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. Meekness toward our enemies. Thomas Watson asks, do you know what made Jesus so meek in his sufferings? This is a really interesting question. Jesus did not look at Judas or Pilate, but at his father. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he wasn't railing against Judas. Oh, why did he do that? He was trusting his father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Colin Smith says, if you and I see our lives as a story of what others have done to us, we will live in disappointment, anger, frustration, and resentment. Meekness in relationships means not only do we weep together when others weep, but we rejoice together when others rejoice. That can be harder in our pride, right? My child's not doing well. Your child is really doing well. Am I rejoicing with you by the grace of God for how they are growing? Your child is in Jesus. My health is poor, but yours as well. Do I thank God for that, for how well you are doing by his grace? Meekness rejoices with those who rejoice. The meek person is teachable, ready to listen and to learn. It means we deal with each other in kindness as a church, and if someone has a different opinion on something, we say, well, let me, let me listen to what you're saying here. Let me hear what you've said, and maybe saying back to that person what we just heard them say. That can help, right? That can calm things down in any relationship. Am I hearing you right? Is this what you said? And again, it's not a personality thing because two people can be really laid back in a conversation where there's no meekness. And the conversation can be really intense where there is meekness. What makes the difference? In meekness, we're appealing to God, his word, and not to ourselves and our self-generated opinions. Meekness in our relationships. James says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's an open, teachable heart. James 3 says, Who is wise among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's a tremendous combination. Meekness and wisdom are like hand and glove. Because this is not just an intellectual thing. It's a matter of the heart. And true wisdom, James says, is what? Peaceable. Gentle. See that? Gentle. Open to reason. Meekness is opposed in 
this is a great summary statement Michael Horton makes. It's opposed to stage page Calvinism. If you don't know what that is, that's probably a good thing. The stage cage Calvinist is the person who's brand new to Reformed theology and should be put in a cage for a while because they are so passionate about what they're saying but they have very little tact or gentleness in what they say that it can really cause harm. Cage stage. It's all a head thing but not a heart thing. If we really believe the doctrines of grace, we will be gracious to those around us who don't yet believe in the same way, the same theology. How gracious God was to us. How patient God is to us. Many friendships and relationships and families have been really hurt by the cage stage Calvinist who just goes and batters like a ram right down into someone without lovingly presenting the truth to them. How many people were convinced of Reformed theology through a confrontation with someone who is just harsh. It actually has the opposite effect. It's like a a whiplash the other way. Meekness and leadership. What do we mean by this? Here's a good way to summarize this. Jesus himself, when he's dealing with the Pharisees, do you remember? Was strong. He called them blind guides whitewashed tombs. Jesus was not weak. The the same Jesus who is gentle and lowly in heart was angered when the disciples prevented children from coming to him. He drove the money changers from the temple. He called Peter Satan. Jesus, who is the incarnation of gentleness, he shows us as we live how We are to interact with others around us in ministry. Think of Paul. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, Paul says, I entreat you. The Lord's servant must be gentle, 2 Timothy, patiently enduring evil. The ministry of spiritual leaders, elders, deacons, pastors, is a combination of two things that appear opposite, but they're not extraordinary strength and marvelous gentleness together. That's Moses. A person who's gentle is someone that people will come up to and talk to because they trust them. They know that they're going to hear, they're going to talk to someone who has a, a kind, compassionate ear as they lay out their concerns. In leadership, meekness means when others grumble or complain, God gives us grace to absorb Criticism, I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone, without lashing back. Meekness means in leadership, Galatians 6, when you see a brother in sin, how do you restore him? In a spirit of gentleness. Why is that? Because the very same impulse to sin that trapped the one who has fallen lives in our own flesh as well. Here's some reflection questions. How do I know I'm truly meek? Am I someone who's always defending myself, fearfully trying to control my circumstances? Am I harsh and emotionally reactionary? 
Or by God's grace, have I learned to submit to difficulties and trust in God in all circumstances? Have I prayed for this? Loved ones, one thing to pray for yourself and in family worship and for us as a church, God, help me to glorify you and give me the spirit and the grace of meekness. Help me to curb this harsh tongue. Keep me from rash judgments. Help me to think the best of others. Open my eyes to discern your hand at work even when I'm in difficult providential circumstances. Help me to find pleasure in the joy of others, Colin Smith says. And walk with Christ who is a reflection and that I would be a reflection of your son, the Lord Jesus. Meekness towards others, loved ones, looks like love. When our voice rises in anger, we've forgotten meekness. When the wounds of others produce bitterness and self-pity, we've bypassed meekness. When we're harsh to others, we're ignoring weakness, meekness. Fourth, where does this lead? Blessed are the meek. What does it say? For they will inherit the earth. Jesus is referring to Psalm 37. In the psalm, it's talking about the land, the promised land. That God's blessings are tied to the land in the Old Testament in a way. But now Jesus is saying, not, not the earth and that, uh, not the land in that sense. Psalm 37, blessed are the meek, they will inherit the land, promised land. Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. He expands it because God's church is not limited to one nation, one place, one time. It's God's people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he's referring here ultimately to what? The new heavens and the new earth. Peter says it. An inheritance in heaven that is what? Imperishable. Undefiled. Unfading. Kept in heaven for you by Christ himself. Inherit means we don't deserve it. By God's kindness, he's adopted us into his family. He keeps this inheritance by the work of Jesus for us. What is this inheritance? It's not stocks or money or land. It's God himself. We will be with Jesus forever in glorified bodies, in a new heaven and a new earth that's imperishable. The Bible says three things are imperishable. Do you know that? God himself, God's word, and your resurrected body one day. Everything else perishes. It is undefiled. It will never diminish in vitality or value. And it is kept for you, dear Christian. One day, 1 Corinthians, the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised, how? Imperishable. And we will all be changed. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, dear Christian, have passed away. Amen. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, you are so gentle with us. Lord Jesus, you are a gentle Savior. Holy Spirit, you are gentle and kind. May we, by your grace, as a church at Emmaus Road, taste of the fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit among us to make us more like Jesus, to make us gentle and meek, to be bold, yes, bold with the truth, to love the word of God, and to be gentle and kind with each other. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.